the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You are listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, Colorado's conservative podcast, providing insight and thought-provoking discussions on Colorado's most critical policy issues. Let's join Michael Fields for today's edition. Welcome back to another edition of the Advanced Colorado Rundown. My name is George Brockler. This here is Michael Fields. And we talk about all things going on under the Gold Dome. In a way, we're talking about that today, but it's sort of like what's not going on under the Gold Dome, and that is uh, the legislature's promise at the request of the governor to take a strong look at what are we doing with a drug that is plaguing not just Colorado, but America at this point, and that is fentanyl. To help us have that conversation, we are honored to have with us assistant special agent in charge for those of you following at home that's asac anyway asac dave aleski with the drug enforcement administration as much as i'd love to call it drug enforcement avengers which by the way still works for dea dave thanks for joining us no good morning george good morning michael thanks for having me on today you may not know this dave but you can't spell dave without dea did you, did you know that you can't see that dave is nodding but he's in full agreement with that um, Dave, th- this fentanyl thing, before we start talking about tools in the toolbox and what we're doing and what we might be able to do to try to stem the tide, give listeners sort of a, a sense of where are we at this moment in time with fentanyl. Describe a little bit about what fentanyl is. And you and I have done this on the radio a couple of times, so that listenership knows. But tell us why fentanyl is different than some of the other drugs that we see on the streets. And then how bad is this getting for us here in Colorado? So it's just to start and lay the foundation for fentanyl. And we talked, like you said, George, we've spoken so many times in the past about, you know, there's the pharmaceutical grade fentanyl. There is what you get, you know, administered when you're in the doctor's room, the hospital anesthesia. This this fentanyl, again, that we're talking about is manufactured by drug trafficking organizations south of our border, uh, sent, sent into our country. And when you ask about the impact here in Colorado, uh, Colorado's not immune to what we're seeing nationally. Last year, more than 100,000 individuals died in the 12 oh months. My goodness. Ending, yeah, in the 12 months ending late, I think that was April 2021. And when you look at the numbers for here in Colorado, you know, they continue to rise year over year. Last year in the state of, well, 2020 in the state of Colorado, it was 1,400 deaths. And then I had some preliminary numbers for 2021 in Colorado that was 1600 and those numbers Hold are on, 1600 what 1600 overdose deaths in the state of Colorado oh goodness. Um, and that what I'd say is you know it's not just the big cities like we often talk about you know we live here in the Denver metro area it's all parts of the state are seeing uh, these numbers go up just this past week, uh, Cortez, uh, I haven't been out there myself, but yeah, yeah, right. near Durango, had three, yeah, overdose, three overdose deaths, uh, you know, reporting still coming out, but I believe the police department just issued a fentanyl warning in southwestern Colorado. We had uh, late February, the five individuals die, Commerce City, 
in one single event. And as I said, whether that's the three and one in Cortez, five in, in Commerce City, all right, there's eight we count on the top of our hand, right, or on, on our fingers. Well, there's folks dying all around the state, in the metro area and everywhere, that they're happening in single events and they get very little to no coverage. And these events, good or bad with the larger numbers, are starting to raise the attention of everyone. And over the last, you know, on a regular basis, uh, whether myself, my DEA colleagues are meeting with senior law enforcement members across the state, whether we have here, we have our Metro Chiefs meeting, we call it in the Denver area. Yeah. With, yep. You know, there's prosec the prosecutors, U.S. attorneys, office, sometimes attends the, uh, I said, chiefs and sheriffs. And what I find is when we talk overdose deaths or overdoses general, right? Normally people just think deaths, right? So yes, 100,000 people died last year. And I put it in perspective, you know, people get numbers and like, well, how, what, how many is that? You know, when you look at Rocky Stadium can basically fill about 50,000, if I'm not mistaken. So that's twice the number of people in that stadium. When you look at, uh, I believe the football stadium holds about 70,000 uh, folks. That is the percent or almost the right around number for fentanyl and opioid deaths specifically, you know, around our country. So those are the deaths. When you look though, with, uh, you know, I enjoy talking to the chiefs, the sheriffs, even when I cross paths with, you know, people in the uh, emergency medical field, they are utilizing Narcan naloxone on a daily basis, you know, in all of these parts of the state, the country that are saving lives. And while the numbers aren't out there, you know, where I could say, what's the ratio to overdoses to deaths? I just think that the fact that I'm talking to chiefs and sheriffs and they're like their patrol officers are out, you know, regularly utilizing, you know, this life-saving measure, um, you know, eventually these folks, so you, your body just gives up after all. There's only so much, you know, you can do um, against such a, a lethal, lethal drug. Well, Dave, you're bringing up uh, some great points here. One is the number of deaths is probably artificially low because we have so many law enforcement officers trained in administering this life-saving Narcan. I'm going to presume everybody that gets, gets administered Narcan that survives otherwise would have died. I mean, that's my presumption. Mm -hmm. Of the deaths that you've talked about in Colorado, those 1,600, how many of those are tied directly to fentanyl? And how do we determine that? Do we normally find that out um, because that's what the person had on them? Is it during the autopsy? I mean, how do we determine somebody died as a result of an overdose and maybe even fentanyl related? Absolutely. So I, uh, that sometimes can be the challenge in terms of toxicology, in terms of identifying what particular drug ultimately killed, you know, resulted in the death. And what we're seeing, and we'll get into more of some of the trends in a moment, but is that oftentimes, unfortunately, sometimes the folks who are addicts, recreational users, they're unfortunately taking meth as well. They're taking cocaine, taking fentanyl. And so that's the hard part when you're trying to prove in court which drug killed the individual. So I think that's the challenge. And, you know, for coroner's offices, medical examiners, the cost and resources going into it, does every individual... Uh, who dies of an overdose, hard to say, if it's a homeless individual on the corner with no family, you know, uh, they can see that it was probably drug related. Do they go in and they say which specific drug? But what I can tell you without knowing the percentages of the 1600 in Colorado, whether it's the trends, the seizures we're seeing on in our investigations, the in large part, it's due to fentanyl, because the majority is because if you go back 
pre-2015 across our country, you were seeing below 50,000 deaths a year from a drug-related overdose. And right around that time is when fentanyl started being introduced uh, into the, so it was a drug supply. And you started seeing the spike to 60, 70, 80,000. Then we crossed the 100,000 mark last year. And that fentanyl is basically, um, it's a game changer because where before, if somebody was addicted uh, or even had a recreational habit for, for cocaine or, or heroin or meth, and they took it time to time, you know, they might, uh, how do I want to say that? They might die of an accumulation of taking it over the course of time. But when fentanyl is introduced into the system, it's a one and done. It's not like your body just kind of gave up. It's, you know, two milligrams of fentanyl can kill you. So this isn't something that your body says, oh yeah, I've done fentanyl enough for months and, and uh, my body's had it. Two questions. One, um, how, how's it getting here to, to start with? How does it get to Cortez, Great question. Colorado? Great question. Uh, second one is, is, is it worse in Colorado than it is in the surrounding states? I know you, uh, you know, help oversee multiple states. Is it worse here than it is in, in some other states? So let's start with the, uh, you know, the methodology and how it's getting here. Just a very quick backdrop on, you know, the manufacturing side is that the precursor chemicals and the pre-precursor chemicals to manufacture come out of China. And that's what we're seeing nowadays, the trend is. And those precursor chemicals are shipped to Mexico, where these drugs are manufactured, you know, in a warehouse, in a clandestine setting, no, no quality control. Uh, remember, these are all synthetic drugs, so you don't need to have hectares or acres of uh, poppies with heroin or coca. And it's manufactured south of our border. And then when you start talking about how does it get to the states, well, the Mexican drug trafficking organizations have been a problem, you know, for our country for decades. And so they've just basically piggybacked on the same transportation routes that they were historically using to traffic cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine, and even back in the day, marijuana. But with this substance, you know, the pills, just think of you know, your typical Tylenol bottle that holds 200, you know, 200 pills and the size of that. And when you look at how cheap it is to produce in context, one kilo of fentanyl can yield. So a kilo, I always tell George, we talk about his uh, law textbooks, can yield about a half a million pills. That's Jeez. just one little block, right? Jeez, you know? Louise. And so it costs them as little as four cents to manufacture. And per pill or per kilo, four cents so per pill? Uh, the average cost when you work out that half a million pills for a sure, kilo, sure. it's four cents to manufacture one of these blue okay. oxy, blue uh, counterfeit oxy pills laced with fentanyl. So four cents and it gets across the border and in states like Arizona, Southern California, they're selling for as little as 75 cents to a dollar. Uh, now that's if you're buying it in bulk. And when you get to Colorado, what, I, what I've noticed the major shift, I said, I got here two years ago, around that time, if you were buying it in bulk, you know, I'm talking a thousand pill quantities, you were looking still eight, $10 a pill. It's dropped even here in the Denver metro area to $2, $2.75. And what's crazy is we're talking about quantities in the thousands. When you're talking about DEA, we did a study uh, last year looking at all of our uh, intake of seizures and two out of every five of these counterfeit pills laced with fentanyl contains a potential lethal dose. So again, when you start looking at the death, uh, 
you know, the greed associated with the, the cartels, the trafficking, it is a combination of, you know, um, when you ask me the methodology for getting in the States, yes, they were here. Some of the, the networks were, were in place. We've been targeting them for years and, and taking the players off the map, but you introduce this poison and it's so much more lethal that all of a sudden we're all waking up to, wait, how is this happening to be? And the game changer, while the drug trafficking organizations have been there, they've introduced this very cheap, very uh, highly addictive, deadly drug. And it's changed the landscape. And I think the conversation both uh, around crime, around drug trafficking and around, you know, I said before, it used to be just say no, and it's become, well, it's just drugs. And um, oh, yeah, that word so just, that word just is stuff. a killer. And I've never done so many, you know, uh, interviews in the last month uh, compared to the rest of my career. But I think that's because folks are saying, well, how did, how did we get here? I, I think, you know, part of your job is educating people about what's going on. And I know you're out there talking to, to students, people in general, I guess, how's that going? And, you know, how's the response been as you've been out talking about it? I, uh, I found it very rewarding, uh, very eye-opening, especially my contact with the community, especially at the high school level, teachers, um, break it into a couple of categories. One, I've been grateful for the open door. Some uh, high schools, and I'll say, uh, and this is across the region, not just the ones I've gone to, open their doors to allow us to come in and share with their students, faculty, what we're seeing. At the same time with the overdose, there's still some folks out there, I think, who are resistant to what is actually happening on the ground and saying, yeah, we don't have an issue on this college campus. We don't have an issue at our high schools. This would never happen. And so when I go out and I talk to uh, teachers and the kids, you know, if I put up a photo and I show a needle, an injection, you know, heroin's typically injected, you know, yeah, you yeah. that squirmy face, I would never do that. And, you know, you put up a pill, which I equate to, this is just taking the equivalent of your morning vitamins, uh, you know, every morning, there's not such a reaction. And, and really that has been the, one of the primary generators for these deaths is people taking these substances and have no clue what it is, willing to experiment what's wrong with one pill. And so uh, I think some of that reaction I've gotten is very uh, educating as I've done some of the high school classes recently and talking to students, one of the big game changers has been social media, has been the interaction that uh, kids have uh, and adults have, honestly, with social media, where before you'd have to go to the dark street corner, dangerous part of town, and now you end up, it is Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook Marketplace, and keep going on and on. Any place that actually sells goods in an open forum, the drug traffickers try and take advantage of that, and they will switch up what I'll call the acronyms for drugs. So when we start talking uh, fentanyl, and I'm learning new code words every single day. It's sometimes they'll call it uh, Boba Fett. And you're like, why would I ever search Boba Fett for fentanyl? Why would I search, you know, some of these things, Roxy's instead of Oxy's. So people will advertise, you know, blue jean Roxy pants, size 30 instead of an M30. There's all of these different things. Interesting. So, um, I think that's the game changer of trying to educate the teachers, but also the parents because, one of the stories, and I might have shared this with you previously, George, was after one of the high school classes I had done, the teacher came up to me and she said, you know, what's interesting is in recent weeks, one of her friends shared a story how 
I'm kind of being kind, the gentleman knocked at her doorstep, rang the bell, the mom answered the door. And she said, you know, hey, you know, uh, how could I help you? And she's like, hey, I'm here for Jimmy. And she's like, well, what do you need to see him for? And well, he ordered a package, you know. This is Jimmy, her kid. Yeah, her kid. Yeah. yeah. You know, like her teenage son and ordered something up. And I think hearing the stories on the ground, you know, again, DEA, our focus is going after the big traffickers, uh, taking out the networks. But all of these stories, whether you, you know, talking about going out to the community, engaging with local law enforcement, and hearing the other side of this, um, I found it number one very rewarding to do that. Uh, educating, just you know that um, you know even continue to be motivating for myself and our folks that what we're doing is the right thing. And um, again, very eye opening. Hey, uh, Dave. One of the things that we've heard because this issue is blown up everywhere is there was a story done by a great investigative reporter at local Channel Seven, a guy named Tony Kovaleski, and in that story. He talked about a dad who lost both of his sons on the exact same evening who took pills that they were led to believe were Oxycontin. Of the cases that you have come across where people are getting overdosed, whether they survive or not, are some of them intending and knowingly ingesting fentanyl? Or is it, as you sort of described as taking place, most of it is is unknowingly, it's unwittingly. Right? They think they're getting something else, but it's filled with this lethal, super addictive substance. I think we're getting to the point, at least in some aspects of, uh, you know, those folks who are addicted know that this is, that fentanyl's out there and, and is in play. These pills are becoming so prevalent. I think when you start coming to like those kids, that the kids know they were injecting fentanyl? You know, I, I can't say in that, but what we're, what we're having is to have to do this large, you know, education campaign, you know, going on the radio, going on TV, all my DEA colleagues, our administrator, you know, going on the national channels and talking about it. I think fentanyl, the fact that I went to uh, that one of the classrooms recently, I had the kids rattle off, you know, all the different drugs. And uh, with one of the first couple there, they said fentanyl unprovoked on their own. And so I asked them, I said, have all of you heard of fentanyl? Uh, you know, they all raised their hands up. And I said, well, let's just do this reverse. Has anyone never heard of fentanyl? No one raised their hands. When you have kids who are 13, 14, knowing it's out there, um, I think folks know uh, fentanyl's in play. Now, when you get to um, combination of the prescription pill problem that we we had where doctors were over prescribing opioid drugs and folks yeah, right, dying, right. that's where there was this, what I'll call a not a gap, but there was a period of time when the cartels took advantage of that transition, puts these pills out and people suffering from, you know, knee pain, all these different pains were seeking these drugs via whatever avenue was available to them on the dark market, street corners, what have you. And they were dying because they just wanted oxy, right? Oxycodone, but there was zero oxycodone, it was fentanyl. And they were dying not knowing them. Um, the third category that's happening right now and I believe that might be part of what transpired in, in the Commerce City event. And I think some of their family from those five deaths uh, have spoken about it publicly and some of the uh, investigators have spoke as well. But is that you're going to have right now folks who are recreational illicit drug users, right? They're out, they're out there. It's, um, might not be addicted where they end up taking it every single day, but they might recreationally use cocaine, heroin, the other drugs. Well, 
the cartels are lacing those drugs with fentanyl because it's cheap as a, you know, kind of this. No, I get it. And then yeah. all of a sudden they go out and they just want to celebrate a birthday event, have cocaine. And, you know, maybe they've done it for years. Maybe they've done it for months and one of this and they're done. And in that instance, five individuals died in, in a couple of minutes. And somebody asked me, how quick do you die or how quick does it take effect? And it really didn't click into my head at first. I'm like, you know, I, I'm not exactly certain. And when I started talking to more people to learn about it, and I have had some, you know, anesthesia uh, procedures where I've been administered. Well, if you've ever had or any of your listeners Weekly. have had it and they say, all right, you know, we're going to administer it now when you start talking. You know what I'm talking about, Michael? And then oh, yeah. they start and, and all of a sudden it clicks in and within like half a second, you're out. Well, you're talking about with doctors, uh, you know, yeah. nurses, blood pressure, they're monitoring every possible thing. And they're in administering point like zero, zero you know, to nothing, fentanyl will knock you out. And these folks are taking two milligrams. So, um, yeah. And it's good to point to Michael. He's a self anesthetist. He does this weekends. That's how he gets through Sundays. Really. It's just, just, um, let me ask you this. Now you have been in this game for a long time, Dave, you have been fighting. And it's not just fentanyl. You have done it here, there, and everywhere outside the United States. I want to talk to you a little bit about what you know drug traffickers and sellers do and how they react to the system in this context. About two years ago, the legislature, and it was bipartisan, but the legislature decreased the penalties for the possession of drugs, including fentanyl up to four grams, from a felony to a misdemeanor, making it punishable by at most no more than 364 days. But more important than that, nobody is going to jail on those misdemeanor drug charges. They are getting basically like a speeding ticket and then they turn them right back out onto the street. In terms of the tools that law enforcement relies upon to crack down on the drug trade, what do you need from the law? And I'm not looking for you to advocate for a policy or not, but what is effective, what is not effective as we begin to have conversations about what do we do to tackle this fentanyl problem? Well, I do think when it comes to you know the law, when it comes to sentencing, when we look at folks that we're, whether it's in, you know, in our drug investigation, obviously what, what we do, also um, we're a part of the Colorado Violent Offenders Task Force. So our folks are out there with the marshals apprehending violent fugitives all the time. Why I bring it up is when you look at individuals' rap sheets, this is not like the first time they've come in contact with the criminal justice system, whether it's on our drug cases, the violent crime cases. You, you normally end up seeing, even if it's somebody you know, a uh, sexual assault, you know, burglary, armed burglary, uh, hom attempted homicide. There's, there's, whether it's a, you know, not necessarily a causation, there's always tends to be a correlation in their rap sheet with illicit drugs. Now that could be possession, trafficking, uh, manufacturing. And so what I say is that, you know, some of the, the tools, it's just that there needs to be a greater deterrent, I think, in some regards, uh, with respect to sentencing. I mean, the traffickers do know the thresholds who've been in and out of the criminal justice system. And we've seen a story where, you know, I talked just moments ago about social media. And when we try and do our undercover activities, you know, uh, confidential sources to uh, purchase these drugs, obtain the evidence that we need to, to, uh, you know, take these traffickers off the uh, playing board. Um, you know, they won't sell sometimes more than, you know, 10 pills, five pills, depending, you know, if you're looking at and you're trying to pretend to be a, why is that? Why would they do that? Why do they sell? Oh, because they just know as the, as the numbers get up that you're either potentially either going to be a, a cop and there's the sentencing thing and, and they'd be more willing sometimes to spread it out over multiple buys, 
you know, where, you know, hopefully they would uncover if you're an informant or a, an undercover officer. So thresholds definitely matter in terms of, you know, it's in the psyche of the, the traffickers, you know, when you're out and we're targeting, you know, trafficking routes, the highways. Now, sometimes, you know, if somebody's just simply trafficking, or I should say transporting, you know, 10,000 pills in their car, you know, in a concealed trap, they're not necessarily worried about thresholds when they're trying to, no. you know, launch it into, you know, the heart of our country. But when you are looking out on the, on the streets, when you're involved in negotiations, um, you know, from the law enforcement, deep investigative side, those things do play, play a part. And, you know, um, is there significant deterrence for them to stop? And one of the things, especially with fentanyl, is that these folks who are trafficking know how deadly it is. And oftentimes, there's one particular uh, case I remember where uh, one of our uh, informants was talking to a trafficker and the trafficker said, hey, listen, if you learn anybody dies as a result of taking these pills, just let me, let me know and we'll lay low for a couple of days. Jeez. The fact that it wasn't, it wasn't uh, enough that the person died, that he felt he would leave the state, leave the country. Yeah. No, I will uh, pick it up in a couple of days. So, you know, on the federal side, there is the death resulting uh, statute. Um, you know, somebody's trafficking. What uh, does that do, by the way, at the federal level to sentencing? Well, it's, a, it's uh, you know, just... There was a case that's going on right now in terms of sentencing in the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, in court here. It was a case at a grand junction. An individual just got 14 years for, I believe, it was, without knowing all the finer details, trafficking fentanyl that resulted in the individual's death. He got sentenced to 14 years. I think there's some co-defendants still awaiting sentencing. But that is at least something that, you know, we're prioritizing those types of investigations um, in our offices. Most of all of our groups, most if not all of our groups have cases like that. It's just that they become so challenging in that that kind of gap between trafficking it up to the death. I mean, that's, uh, you know, and then proving toxicology, you know, um, it's just that when you start looking at it and an individual is not scared of the justice system enough that he's still after killing somebody going to, you know, trafficking these pills, still going to go out two days later and do it. I think that feels like a it feels like a business decision, right? Like the risk is relatively low. The reward is relatively high. So they make decisions. Yeah, when you talk about, you know, uh, four cents versus two dollars and these people are selling, you know, when you wanted to ask about our other states you brought up earlier, these same pills in Colorado, like I said, individually, if you buy one pill, it can go for five, 15 bucks. You start going uh, north to Wyoming, but especially Montana that I supervise, those pills up there can range from 20 to 75 dollars for the same pill. So when you're talking about profit, again, these uh, traffickers are like, hey, this might be that risk reward. I'm, I'm willing to risk it. I can end up making hundreds of thousands, if not millions. Wow. And uh, startling. Well, Dave Oleski from uh, the DEA, which I'm relatively certain is drug enforcement. It's the last letter continues to stump me. Appliances. <laughs> no, no, I think it's administration. Um, thanks for joining us on this. I want to say that we're going to get this thing solved with this legislative cycle, but you know, from my standpoint, and I don't need you to echo this, the delay in the legislature being able to even come up with a plan for a law that will arm law enforcement at the local level to start trying to take some of these people off the street who are engaged in the dealing of this stuff. It just means it's going to be an ongoing problem. I don't know, I'm worried that the next time we talk to you, whether it's here or on the radio, the numbers are going to be even bigger. And uh, that's it. we got to do something about that, Dave. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, we 
wouldn't be as successful as we are at DEA in doing our job without the state and local partnerships. Certainly, we have our agents, but a, a huge part of our teams are those partnerships with the Sheriff's Office's Police Department. Agreed. It's Agreed. with the you know, U.S. Attorney's Office for sure, but it's also the different DAs around the entire state. And so the good ones. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's it's got to be an all hands on deck approach. Uh, Michael asked earlier about engagement with the community. There's that. There's the, you know, the, the prosecutors, but then certainly the legislators. And um, thanks for giving a voice to what we're doing. And I say to your listeners, you can certainly go to DEA.gov backslash one pill if you want to learn more. Oh, that's great especially for listeners and parents, educators about what we're seeing. You know, next time, Dave, I think I'd probably want to ask you if this gets any traction in Denver about safe injection sites and your experience and thoughts on that. We don't have to do that this one. Just just priming the pump for the future. Uh, Michael, anything else before we let Dave get back to crime fighting? No, I think we're good. Really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. The time flew by. Thank you both. Yeah. Dave Aleski, thank you so much, man. We will talk with you soon. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, uh, go to your local podcasting platform, the one that I use is Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and all the millions of others out there. Download it, subscribe to it, share it with your listener base, with your friends, with your family, and let's get this thing going. You've been listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, brought to you by Advanced Colorado, the conservative thought leader, driving dialogue and solutions to Colorado's most critical policy issues. Find them at advancedcolorado.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.